You are listening to audio recorded at the Village Church. For more information, go to villagechurchbaltimore.com. And if you are new to our church, and if you, again, if you're a guest here with us today, we're really glad you could be here. Uh, Again, for us, holidays sometimes take on a different uh, feel just with the, the number of our folks who might be aware now, but we're really glad you're here. Uh, in general, if you would boil down, what we do is we, we, we try to see who Jesus is and how that transforms our life together and how that makes us family. Um, but times like this, when we have these holidays like Christmas, it gives us even, a, I would say, sometimes a little bit more focus as we do that together. So we're really glad you could be here, again, whether it's your first time or whether you regularly worship with us here. And, you know, there's a lot of great lessons when it comes to Christmas that we can have. There's, um, I think right now, with just current events, there's a lot of lessons about uh, refugees and immigration, and I think those are real. Um, there's a lot of lessons at Christmas about things like family and the importance of family and, and uh, being home for the holidays. And I think those things are all things we can glean. But when we talk about Christmas, it's important for us to ultimately remember that the most significant meaning of what this Christmas holiday is for those, who us, those of us who would put our faith in who God is, is that the God of this universe entered our world. He took a humble form of a man, Jesus Christ. And, and this, is, this is like confusing stuff to try to grasp. So I, there's no way in one sermon we can get this down. But when we look at the Bible, when it talks about who Jesus is, it talks about Jesus as being fully God. In one sense, when we look throughout the scriptures, um, Jesus has the authority to do things that only God can. He can he's, only God can give life, and we see throughout that Jesus has the authority to give life. But the marvel of this and the whole this crazy thing about this Christian message is that Jesus is fully God, but at the same time, I'm, and I'm just not smart enough to be able to explain it fully, but at the same time, he's also fully human. That he's full deity, but he's also full humanity. And we see examples throughout the scripture of how Jesus was really human. Because uh, especially if this is new to you, um, you might think about Jesus. And when Christians think about Jesus as like this floating baby in the sky or like he's got these wings or like we, I mean, that's, that's all fine. But um, Jesus is real, re- really real. There's stories in the Bible of how, of how he wept when he lost a loved friend, a beloved friend. Maybe many of us can identify with that. It's not like, well, I'm, I'm God, so I know how this all works out. I mean, he, 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 he was wounded. He grieved. We, we see that he enjoyed having little children come to him. There was, a real, there was a real humanity to him. He loved to be with people. He loved to party. And some of you think that God is a big buzzkill, like God comes to kill the party. It's actually the opposite. Jesus came and he's like, yo, we need more wine. We need, we need to keep this wedding feast going. There was a full humanity of who Jesus was. But again, we keep these two things in balance. He's fully human, but he's also fully God. Fully divine. And one scripture that talks about that from John chapter 1, verses four, starting verse 4, it says, in him, and this is talking about Jesus, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And as you look at those verses here, verse 4, it describes, again, Jesus, he demonstrates power that only God has to give life. And, and we, don't, we didn't look at this verse, but if there was the one, verse 3 before, it says, all things were made through him. 
That this Jesus, he's not just someone who comes and sprinkles like magic God dust and kind of tells us to all hug one another. and be, He actually has power to change things, to, to create, to make. He's God. But we see here that this life is described as the light of men. And like I talked about with the little ones here, that Jesus, among many other things he's described as in the scriptures, he's also described as the light. And, and here, it's meant to give us a contrast between darkness. That you've got darkness, but in the midst of that, Jesus is light. And, and when we think of darkness, some of you might think like a particular time. Like, I guess that means like past 8 o'clock, or nowadays like past 4 o'clock. That's, that's darkness. Um, this is more, not so much a time of day, but darkness here means death. Darkness here means the absence of life. So in that state of darkness where there's no life, no being, Jesus came and he's the life. Jesus came, he's the light in the midst of that darkness. Into the midst of our death and darkness, God has come. Life has come. Light has come. So what are a few implications of Jesus being the light in our world? One, and just a few here, one, light brings clarity. Light brings clarity. And when I tell these old stories, sometimes I feel like such an idiot. I'm like, man, you were so dumb when you were younger. Not that I'm that smart now, but I was really the opposite when I was younger. But I remember in college, I went to Penn State University. And some of you have heard this story. I went to Penn State. And and Penn State's in the middle of Pennsylvania. There are a lot of mountains. There's a lot. If you love the outdoors, you would love State College, Pennsylvania, because I fished more than I've ever fished in my life. But I was, I was out there. We would go. And one night, I remember a bunch of buddies, we piled into a car. I was like, we're going to go camping. We're going to go up a mountain. We're going to go up in this mountain, Mount Nindy, and we're going to find a spot, and we're going to be rugged, and we're going to camp. So we drove around. I remember we saw a lot of deer, and we couldn't see a single thing because it was pitch black. We, we stopped. We found a great spot. We're like, okay, this could work. We set up our tents. We, we played cards all night, roasted whatever you roast at a, at a campsite, had a great time late into the night. We couldn't see a single thing, but it was great. And the next morning, we got up, and all I heard was my friend, like, panicking. He's like, yeah, 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 y'all need to wake up. We went outside, and we, we thought we were out in the wilderness. We were in someone's front yard. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what was wrong with this cat, because he lived on a mountain, right, which is scary in this whole other business, right? But we were in his front yard basically having a party, so we packed up as quietly as we could and got out of there. <laughs> it's just ridiculous, right? Because we couldn't see a single thing. We thought we were geniuses, but when the light of day came, it brought clarity. It's like, no, 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 you in someone's front yard right now, and being state college, you better get out of here really quickly. But light brings clarity. And, and in a sense, light is fully understood when you contrast it with the darkness. When it's dark, you understand how bright light can be. It's, it's difficult to recognize the nature of light without understanding darkness. So even as my girls turn on that flashlight, you guys are like, woo, right? But it feels like pitch black in here. You'd be like, wow, that's a bright light. Because light is contrasted with darkness. I mean, we live in a world right now where um, I, I would say probably, I mean, some of you agree with me, there's a lot of moral ambiguity between what's wrong and what's right. I mean, we're even afraid sometimes to use the word evil when someone does something wrong, right? Someone does something, a lot of times we want to make, um, give reasons like, 
well, it was their family background or, and again, not diminishing any of this. Or, you know, if they've got certain physical issues or maybe mental issues or they've got sociological issues. And that's, I think that's all real. That's all true. But at the same time, when we see who Jesus is and we see the life of Christ, what it does, it provides us light to clarify who we are. It allows us to actually be really honest. It allows us, when you encounter evil, when you encounter bad people, it allows you to be able to say, yeah, that's actually evil. That's actually evil. That's wrong. Young people killing ourselves in our city and the murder rate going way over 300, even if it's one, there's something wrong with that. There's something dark about that. There's something jacked up about that. It's evil. And, and light allows us to give a voice to say there's something wrong. So I, I think most of us, you get that with other people. And even if I gave you a piece of paper right now, say, write down like the five most jacked up people that you can think of. You'd be like, oh, I got like 20. And, you know, write it all out. And, and we can do that. But as true as those things might be, I think wisdom is also letting light into our own lives. Not just think about other people that we can call evil. But light is also shining into us. So in a personal level, the light of Jesus, it can shine into our lives. It can place a spotlight then on things we've done. You know, how do we base our life? How have we made decisions? How do we make our choices? How do we determine how we're going to live? And, and maybe it, it exposes a light upon things that are not really honoring God in our life. Like when we don't have the light, you don't notice because it's just all dark. But light, it shines in. It brings clarity. It says, oh, that's actually against the ways of God. It's, it's not honoring to God. Jesus, he provides light to help us discern reality. Um, I, again, you might, if, if you're new here, just pardon me if I sound like the most jacked up pastor. Because I always talk about ways I'm broken. So if you're not used to that, you're going to have to guess that. But... Um, I do things all the time that are so dumb. And if, maybe some of you can identify. It's like afterwards, I'm like, man, why did I do that? I know it would have ended up bad. Why do I keep doing the same thing over and over again? Or something bad happens. Like, man, I don't know how that happened. Or, man, why couldn't I see that person was going to mess up my life? Why did I get too close in that way? I knew that wouldn't have ended up well. And for a lot of us, so much of our energy in life, I think it's spent trying to mop up like bad decisions we've made, right? So much of the energy and, and angst we have in our life is trying to like pick up after bad decisions we've made, bad choices. You know, maybe things have not gone the direction because we've, we've just gone in a different direction. But light, it brings clarity. And, and hear me Hear me correct. I'm not saying if you follow Jesus, everything's going to be hunky dory. We're not into a fairy tale Jesus here, right? We're not into a Disneyfied Jesus here. We're not into come to Jesus, do everything you're supposed to, and then you're going to have a happy, happy, joy, joy kind of. We're not into that. We're like sometimes following Jesus will make your life extremely hard, but extremely hard doesn't necessarily mean against the will of God. But what I'm more saying here is light helps us to see clearly when we know what God is saying in how to follow Him and yet we have gone a different way. Light helps to shine upon that and show us, maybe we didn't know, show us this is actually against the will of God. Because light, what it, 
how it clarifies. It also helps to show us things like the Bible. It helps us to show us things like the church. It helps us to show that God has given us a way that we're meant to experience life and how maybe we've even gotten away from that. So light brings clarity to our lives. Another way that light works, light brings revelation. Light brings revelation. And, you know, 2017, some of you are just ready to, like, kick 2017 away. I need a new year. This has been a bad year. But so many things being brought to one of the things I've noticed about 2017, I don't think it's all bad. It's, it's almost brought this whole, like, revelation of things that are jacked up in our society. Whether it's, um, and, you know, this happens to men as well, but whether it's women who've been treated improperly in the workplace or in all of these different things, like, what, what brought that? It's a few brave people shining a light upon that. And bringing revelation, saying, this is what really happened. This is what these powerful people did. Or it's maybe it's like in, in athletics. It's like when people get caught um, with steroid testing. Like bringing the truth out. Um, whatever it might be, all of these different scandals. May, maybe it's um, unjust and, you know, I think there's really good law enforcement. We honor our police officers, but we also seen with the advent of uh, phone cameras and other, other items, it's meant to protect because it's showing some things that were done that were not good. But it, it's brought into the open. And maybe we can, the way I hear it described sometimes is, is like we're shining a light on the truth. We're shining a light on the truth. Where things were in darkness, now there's this big spotlight coming. And whether we want to blame the media or we want to say technology, and, and that could be jacked up. But at the same time, it's bringing truth on the things that were kept in darkness. And in a similar way that we see God, he also reveals the truth of our situations. There's uh, one verse uh, from verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. And it says, therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes. And focus on this part in particular. Who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. And we can stop here. Let me read that part again. Who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. What this says, God is saying here, yo, y'all, stuff that you tried to keep hidden in closets, things that you tried to suppress, things that stayed like family secrets, things that the boss has said will never leave this office, things that you did in the privacy of the locker room. Yo, one day light's gonna reveal all that. Everyone's gonna know. It's gonna be revealed to everyone. We are gonna see what truly happened. The things that were done in darkness, there's going to be a light that brings clarity to that, that reveals it. And, and I hope for some of us that brings um, some kind of hope, maybe peace. Because if, if you're like me, you look at the world, and, and sometimes it's just hard to live in this world. I don't know if you, I mean, I hope some of you had like the best year ever. Um, for a lot of us, maybe it was a difficult year. You see things going on. You see the animosity between people. Again, you see the violence within our city. You see brokenness in family structures. You see um, just a hate, growing hatred for fellow man and woman. And maybe for some of you, maybe it's very personal. Maybe you've had people who've, who've wounded you, who've treated you poorly, who've harmed you, who've spoken ill about you. 
And if you're like me, sometimes you can get frustrated because these things can be happening, whether they're big or whether they're more personal. You can get really frustrated because you see all this junk around you. You see all this pain and woundedness around you. And, and, and you can feel like, does God even see? Does God even give a rip? Does he even care? Why is all this happening? Does God even, <clears throat> is this even a thought on his mind? But what light says is that God does see the crud in our world. What light says is God does see the things that are broken and he very much cares. He's not ignoring it. He's not ambivalent. He actually does give a rip. If anything, some of the reason why God might not be coming in judgment and coming to make things right is he's also a patient God and he's merciful and he's waiting for people to get their act together so they would turn back to him. But we need to know God's light will expose evil things kept hidden in darkness. So just kind of a sidebar here. For some of you who have had evil done to you and no one else knows about it, and you live in shame, maybe you live in fear, maybe you have a certain guilt, and maybe it's just me, but sometimes you just want like someone else to know. You're like just mad. You're like, how could they do this to me? And no one knows about it. Light says one day it will be known. You will not be alone in that injustice. The things people have done to you in the name of evil will be revealed for what it is, and God is the God of judgment. There will be a reckoning, and I hope for some of you that brings comfort to you. I, I, genuinely. But again, I want to invite you to turn the light upon yourself. So, I think it's easy to want God to reveal the wrongs of others. But we got to be honest about our own lives too. Yeah, we want God to reveal the evil and darkness out there. But the Christian message also invites to say, I need light to shine in my life as well. Because it's not just them. If you're like me, um, my propensity at times is to live like God's not really real. I mean, it's easy to do it here when we're in the church kind of deal. But if I look to the day-to-day, hour-to-hour sometimes, sometimes if you look at my life, I think an honest question, is God really real to you? Um, or, or maybe live like God doesn't really care. Like, like live like God doesn't really see what I'm doing. And, and that's why at the village, that's why in our church we often talk about we've got to get beyond this kind of religious game. We have to get beyond just kind of like doing enough to kind of look good, especially on a Sunday or when we're doing church kind of things. Um, we've got to get beyond this whole weird thing. And, and maybe, man, sometimes when we're in the church, we're like the weirdest people out there. It's like going to the dentist. Like, Oh, again, maybe it's just me. I'll like clean my teeth as good as I can for the first week before I go to the dentist because I want to think I got good teeth. And sometimes we come to church with that same mentality. It's like, here is where we got to look the most holy. Here is where we got to have our act most together. Here is where we got to get ourselves scrubbed up inside and outside so that people don't think we're a scrub. We don't want people at the church thinking we're like a slob. And then the rest of our life is, ah, who cares? <laughs> Whereas church, we at, at the village, we want to talk about this idea. Yo, let's be real. Who are we trying to impress here? 
Let's be real with a God who wants us in our mess, not to keep us there, but so that he can clean us, so that he can truly transform us. So don't, let's not fake one another out. Let's not just try to be impressive to one another, but let's be real in our mess. Let's be real in our hurts. Let's be real in the things even that we doubt and come to a God who can handle it and bring it to him and say, God, we believe we can be honest before you because you already know this. You're the light. You expose it all. You reveal because often, and, and one of my hopes and prayers for you guys, especially if you walk regularly at the village, man, sometimes we work so hard to not be revealed for who we are, right? So many times in church culture, we put so much more energy into trying to make people think we've got our stuff going on. But, but I want to encourage you and welcome you to a life where we believe that things really change when we believe that God does see that he really is light, and that Jesus, as he's the light, it reveals our heart, it, it reveals our private places, and that we can come honestly before him, knowing that he's already known the worst about us, and what he doesn't do is judge. He actually gives us grace so that we would be transformed. His love is lavish. But, but if we're being honest, this idea that God brings light and sees, it should bring some healthy fear to you. Um, I mean, if you're, if you're hearing what I'm saying, what we're saying is you're, yeah, you know what? You can fake everyone else out here 52 weeks a year, but God sees what's going on in your life. God actually knows what's going on in the private stuff of your life. God knows how you got a lot of anger towards people. God knows how you've been actually divisive. God knows how you've got lust issues. God knows how you've been destructive. God knows how you've been lazy. God knows even if the outside looks really polished and crystal clear and pristine, the inside is like, God sees and God knows. That should actually give us a little bit of healthy fear. But here's the thing. Here's where that fear is supposed to lead us. In the midst of that, here's one more thing light brings Light brings hope. Light brings hope. Let me read for us from Luke chapter 1. This is verse 77. And this is um, a man, Zechariah. He worked in the temple of God. And he basically, I don't know if any of you, after you've had a child, you just burst out in song. That's what he pretty much did here. When he's, talking about, he's, he's talking about his son, John the Baptist. And, and he's proclaiming what John's going to be doing. And this is a part of it here. And if you know John the Baptist, John the Baptist came to announce who Jesus was. So starting in verse 77, it says, To give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So Zechariah, what he's saying here is he's describing what his son, John the Baptist, is going to announce about the coming Jesus. And this is just a small snippet of how Jesus is described here. And man, this, can you grasp the kind of hope that's being talked about here? That this Jesus is coming and he's going to be the salvation to his people. What the salvation means, as it says here, he's going to forgive their sins in all the ways they've been disobedient from God, all the ways they've fallen short of God's standards. Jesus is going to come. He's going to save them. How? By forgiving their sins, by saying, I cleanse you, I clean you. How's that happen? Verse 78, because of the tender mercy of our God. 
What does mercy mean? Mercy is receiving something we don't deserve. Or maybe a flip side, mercy is not getting what we do deserve. It's saying that the forgiveness of God, it's going to come through Jesus, this salvation, it's going to be because of the mercy of God. It's not going to be because we get our act together. It's not because we know the light's shining, so let's get ourselves spiffied up and cleaned up. It's going to say, we come with all of our mess. We come with all of our junk. We come with all of our hurts. We come with all the ways we can't forgive others. We bring all that to God. And yet because of his mercy, he's going to offer forgiveness Check out the next part. Whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. Do you catch that? It's saying in a world that says, yo, get your act together. Kind of do your Under Armour thing and find a strength within. Come on, find the better you. Come on, make yourself better. Repair yourself. Heal yourself. Find the inner strength. This is saying, no, 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 no. That's not the way this all happens. It comes from on high. You can't produce this. This is God looking down. And what does he do? He comes to us because we couldn't fix ourselves. That's mercy. From on high, he enters our world. And it's like the sunrise. And I don't know if any of you have done all-nighters recently. Maybe some of you who are in the medical fields, you know what I'm talking about. Recently, I had to finish up some schoolwork this past year. I was kicking myself. Why did I go back to school? Because it was horrendous, right? I was writing into the night. And it's that thing where you're like writing and, and it's dark and it feels like the dark is never going to end. Like you're like, this is never going to end. It's going to be hard. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And there's something when the light just starts to peer into the window, you're like, okay, a new day, a new day sunrise has come. There is hope again. I love talking to some of the folks in our church, especially those who struggle through uh, addictions issues. And I love it because when I ask them, how are things going? One common thing I always hear is, man, God got me up again this morning. God gave me life again this morning. I'm like, praise God. Praise God. That's a way to look at life because the sunrise is a reminder that there is hope again. As dark as yesterday was, as dark as last week was, heck, as dark as the past 20 years was, here's a new day. Here's another opportunity for God to remind us that he enters our world. He comes into our darkness. He doesn't just tell us how to be better. He says, I'm going to be the one that makes you better. He enters our world. In verse 79, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. We come to Christmas service, and I know the temptation is to kind of put on the happy, smiley face and say, well, it's Christmas, right? Happy Christmas time. Yeah. Charlie Brown and, you know, and Christmas songs and but man, I don't know if you, it's been a hard year for me. I lost my father earlier this fall. Christmas is not fun. I, I, I know it's not, it doesn't sound very religious, right? <laughs> it's not very fun. It's actually a, a reminder of loss. It's hurting. And maybe some of you have lost in your life. Maybe you've lost people. Maybe this season it's a reminder and you see these stupid television commercials about like, oh, Johnny for Christmas. He's getting a brand new Acura in the parking lot. What? Who does that? You're like, I don't got a car. I don't even got a stocking. What? I mean, it can be such a reminder of what we don't have, right? It can remind us for those of us who deeply desire to maybe have children of the children we don't have. 
or maybe children we do have not being able to see them. Those of us who desire for someone to love us feeling like you're alone. Maybe those of you like me who have lost someone through this sting called death. You know, maybe a way we describe it is sitting in darkness. I don't know if you've been there, but I have. I feel like I'm there sometimes even recently. This idea of sitting in darkness. But to know that in that, the sunrise comes from on high. God never tells us, kind of just put on a cheery face because that's what a good Christian does. He says, yo, as you sit in your darkness, there's, coming, there's someone coming to sit with you. You are not alone in this. You will not dwell in this by yourself, but I will be with you. And for some of you here who are sitting in darkness and you're tired of people just telling you to be cheery, can I give you the hope that says the Christian message is not for you to repair yourself? Stop Stop being held down by that. Rather, when you're sitting in those things, you're reminded of the God who comes to dwell with you. That's the power of the Christian message. And as we see, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Because God does see the darkest areas of our lives. And for some of us, our darkness is something that's happened to you. You had nothing to do with it. You're a victim of it. You're experiencing it. But if we can be brutally honest, some of us, we've caused our own darkness. It's been our bad decisions. It's been bad relational choices we've made. It's been bad money choices we've made. made. It's bad just moral decisions we've made. If we're brutally honest, some of us, we have caused our own darkness. But whether it's from outside happening to us or whether we have brought it upon ourselves, the great hope that Christmas reminds us is God does see these deepest, darkest areas of our lives. And the good news is he sees and he provides a solution. Because you don't have to be condemned because there's already a remedy. The Christian message is not, okay, well, you know the truth, so kind of heal yourself. Get yourself better. Go to more Bible study. I mean, all those things might be fine, but the Christian message ultimately is your remedy is right here, and his name is Jesus. Your remedy is right here, and it's Jesus' very own life. Because we see that though Jesus is the light, Here's the mystery of this whole Christian message. Though Jesus is the light on the cross, we saw that Jesus entered the darkness of death. Crazy, right? Though Jesus was the light, fully pure, fully pristine, when we look at the cross where Jesus died, it says that he entered and became our darkness, became our death. Think about the hardest thing you've experienced. Jesus entered that. He became that. He traded his light for your darkness. Doesn't mean life's not going to be hard, but what he's told you is this will no longer have to identify you. Trust in me. He traded his life for your death. And that's why ultimately we don't talk about Christianity as a way for you to become a better person. It's actually a way for you to have some clarity to see, I actually need some help. (laughs) Oh man, I'm in darkness. I need help. Praise God, there's someone who's the remedy. And his name is Jesus. Let me trust him. Let me trust him. And I know we love the fat little baby's Christmas message, a fat little baby, and we kind of want to keep him there in the manger because that makes us feel cuddly. We're like, man, I wish every day could be Christmas. I like fat baby Jesus. That's, that's fun. Um, I, I feel bad to burst your bubble, but Jesus was never meant, Christmas was never meant to stop with a baby in a manger. It's continuing to Jesus dying on a cross and rising from a grave to conquer sin and death. Stand with me.
And as we respond now to the word of the Lord, I want to invite you. And again, I'm I'm sure with a room like this, we're representing all different spheres of experiences. Um, I want to welcome you. If you follow Jesus, if you know him, if your salvation is in him again, can I invite you to live in the light? And I know that sounds really hard. And some of you, you hate pat answers. I hate pat answers. I'm not into simplistic things. But what I do want to invite you, sometimes what we do as we gather here regularly is to be reminded of faith. Faith is a process. It's a one-time thing in some sense, right? We trust in Jesus. We're fully into the kingdom of God, but it's also living that out throughout our life. And if you've been tempted to live in darkness recently, maybe you're sitting in it right now. Maybe you're sitting here really pretty and all made up and in your Christmas beauty, but inside you're like, man, I am sitting in a pit. Can I invite you? to the light of Christ that says you're not sitting there alone. You're not sitting there alone. You're not going to sit there alone because Jesus entered darkness so you wouldn't have to be there by yourself. And, and that's not a magic pill, but it's something for you to reflect on. And as you come to the table, be reminded of the sacrifice of Jesus and take a piece of the wafer. Be reminded. You, you want to know how much he would enter your darkness? It was to the point to have his body ripped apart. Take a piece of that body Dip it in the cup. Be reminded, how does he bring salvation? How does he forgive my sins through shedding his own blood? Dip it in the cup right here. Take it and be reminded. It's not magical, but it's significant. Be reminded you are not meant to live in darkness on your own. It's hard. I know for some of you it's real hard, but to know you are not alone. And for others of you, maybe you're far away from God or maybe you've never followed him before. I want to invite you to the best news and why we do this thing called church is for you to be able to know the life-saving message of Jesus. Maybe you have had a hell of a year and not in a good way. Your whole security has been flipped upside down. Everyone you depended on has betrayed you. You have lost things. And again, let's be honest, maybe you've contributed to that. Can I invite you to this message of Jesus? As dark as your dark is, come to the light that knows you, that you're here, and this is not an accident even while you're here. You might just think, oh, Christmas service, I had to go. Maybe God wanted you here so you could receive his love, that he knows the worst about you, and he offers you forgiveness. He offers you life. If that's you, maybe you can come to the table, and this can be your first communion. That's what we call this thing, first communion, saying, I want to trust Jesus. I want to follow him. I want my sins forgiven. I can't believe, I mean, it sounds like a fairy tale, but pastor, if you're true, you're saying he'll cleanse me, he'll forgive my sins, he'll accept me, he'll be with me in my darkness, heck, I want that. Then come, and I would love to talk with you. Someone else would love to talk with you here as well. We'd love to pray with you. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to invite you to come to the table, sing, pray, how, whatever you need to do to get right with God this morning, knowing he's done the work already. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to kind of kick this idea of this gentle, um, measly, kind of powerless Christmas message about just this baby sitting in a manger. And that's significant because you came in humility. But Lord, it's so much more than that because there was deep power there. Everyone else saw a little baby, Lord, but it was power because it was light coming to a dark world and coming on a bigger sense, but also personally. And some of us, Lord, we've been sitting in it, and we, we cry out to you, and we ask for mercy, Lord. Meet us here. Meet us in our pain. Meet us in our loss. This is a difficult season. We thank you that you have not left us alone. Help us, Lord. Thank you for inviting us in, God, and that it's not something we can conjure up, but it's only something you can do, and you give us access to that because of Jesus, because of the light. 
because of the life. So again, I want to invite you to come to the table, sing, pray, whatever you need to do, and let's, let's worship the Lord together.